This is most certainly true. In the greatest act of selfless mercy, God sent His own Son into our world to die for your sins, and we can't stop talking about it. We now present this sermon, recently delivered at Grace, to you. May we, with Peter and the disciples, believe in his promises, feast on Jesus, the bread of life, and see him as our only source of hope in heaven. These words will serve also as the basis for today's sermon, the gospel, according to John chapter 6. Jesus said, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, This is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, Does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. An attachment a connection, anything, something. I don't want to be alone. Not many of us would sign up for loneliness. Built into all of us from the start is this pull, this desire, this gut sense. I need to be connected to others. 
But there's a lion roaming about the earth, looking to pull people apart, tamp wedges between people, plotting and planning so that he can giggle from his hellish lair when we are disconnected and trembling in fear of being alone. As painful as it is to be detached from other people, what if we were detached from God? That's really the devil's ultimate goal. He was banished from God's loving presence when he tried to push God off his throne and take control of the universe that God had made. And he was also super jealous then that human beings, really only lumps of clay, still had a connection to God and his love and care, an attachment that the devil would never ever get back. And so the devil put on his thinking cap, drummed his fingers on his desk, consulted with his demon buddies, and came up with a plan. If I can't get God away from people, I'm going to try to get people away from God. And it worked. Now we've got a problem. Why do you think that there are temples and shrines in honor of the gods and spirits of the ancestors in Japan? Why do you think millions of people make pilgrimages to Mecca each year? Why do you think there are millions who bathe in the filth of the Ganges River in India? It's because sooner or later, every human being has to come to grips with the gnawing sense inside. There's something out there bigger than I am, and I need, I need to have a connection, an attachment to that being, that power. But how can I make that happen? Answers come from all corners from meditation masters and imams and witch doctors, but they are farther from the truth than the East is from the West. And the result is that there are millions of people living in fear and in ignorance, and millions more who just give up and stop searching for spiritual truth. And to be honest, that's what's going on also in our own land, in our own country. How many people do you know who are completely fixated and focused on earthly sustenance and status and success and ignoring their spiritual and eternal needs. That's the kind of people that Jesus faced in a fishing village hard by the Sea of Galilee the day after he had fed a crowd of well over 5,000 people. They were looking for more fish sandwiches for free. Jesus wanted to turn their attention to spiritual matters and that was the turning point in his ministry. After this bread of life sermon, which we find recorded in John's Gospel, chapter 6, the vast majority of the crowds unfriended him on Facebook and walked away. Only a few of his close chosen followers stayed attached to Jesus. How did that happen and why? And don't you want that too? to stay attached to Jesus.
My high school had a curriculum that was designed to funnel students to our Lutheran Church Bodies College of Ministry so the students there could continue then preparing to be pastors or teachers in our church body. Latin was a part of the curriculum at my high school as a basis for the study of further languages, especially for those who are in the pastor track, but also as a basis and a discipline for learning analytical thinking. At the time, my friends and I didn't realize the benefit of studying Latin. In fact, we circulated a little line. Latin is a dead language. It killed the Roman civilization, and now it's killing us. None of us died from studying Latin. In fact, I came to really enjoy it, to be honest with you. And it's really a great basis for understanding how language and grammar works. But it is a dead language. Nobody speaks Latin anymore, and very few can read and understand it. For the general population, books that are produced in the Latin language really have very little value. But Latin isn't the only language that has very little value to a lot of different people. There are thousands of books and writings in a variety of languages that have no lasting value for people. Those words of those books and writings are virtually lifeless. They, they just sit on shelves collecting dust or eventually get tossed. Okay, there are some, some ancient documents that have enduring value, like, like the Magna Carta. Written in 1215 A.D., the Magna Carta lists some of the basic principles for democracy. Its spirit lives on in our Constitution of the United States. But even the most important ancient documents and even the most well-read classical books cannot compare to the words of Jesus. Only Jesus' words can give us an attachment to him and help us cope with sin and guilt. Jesus stood head and shoulders above all the other Israelite rabbis. That doesn't mean he was taller than they were. In fact, the Bible doesn't tell us his height. But his words came with authority, for after all, he is God. The Israelite religious teachers of the day added all kinds of extra rules so that they would try to get people to live a more pious, godly life. And the priestly group made up stories, myths, and legends about heroes of the past. But when Jesus spoke, God was speaking. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Of course, there were plenty of people there who refused to believe Jesus. And they muttered and sputtered, he's crazy. Jesus went on, does this offend you? then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of spirit and life. My words are Holy Spirit-filled and living. That means they are powerful. When Jesus told demons, get out of the person you are possessing, they obeyed. When he called on the wind and wave, be quiet, the storm stopped. When he spoke his own name to the policemen who came to arrest him in the Garden of Gethsemane, they all fell over like they were dead. Jesus' words are living. They're powerful. The only reason 
that the food we eat nourishes our bodies is because God says so. The only reason we heal when there's illness or weakness is because God says so. The only reason we're still alive and taking nourishment is because God says, live. If God said to you or to me, be sick, we'd be sick. If he would say to you or to me, die, we would die. So if you want an attachment to Jesus so that you can deal with any feelings of loneliness, listen to his words. He's going to tell you the truth. He'll tell you the truth about where you've come from and why you are still here. And better yet, he'll tell you the truth about where you're going and where you will live forever. So where do you go when the naughty guy or the naughty gal inside says, okay, just this one more time, nobody's going to know about this sin. Where do you go when you're scared about being always alone and feel like the empty spot in your heart will never go away? Where do you go away when it feels like your schedule is making your life spin out of control and then you realize it's your fault for booking too much on the calendar or for procrastinating? Where do you go when the trauma and tragedies of the past come back to haunt you and you're tempted to shake your fist at God and blame him for being a bully? Where do you go when every fiber of your being is screaming, there's no way that God can forgive me for what I've done? This this business about two cells popping into life millions of years after some kind of star explosion is more than I can accept. Who buys into that illogical baloney? Only God can create life. You can go to the hospital and marvel at the machinery that can sustain life. You can marvel at the equipment that can measure the bodily functions of our entire person. But none of those machines can create life. None of them can change death into life for someone who is brain and heart dead. Only Jesus' words can bring life out of death because his words are life-giving. Remember the young man from Nan? His mother would never forget what Jus did for him. Remember Jairus' daughter? His, her parents would never forget what Jesus did for her. Remember Lazarus? His sisters and all the other people gathered around would never forget what Jesus did for him. Jesus' life-changing words brought life out of physical death. But his, life, his life-changing words actually can accomplish miracles even greater than that. Changing physical life, physical death to physical life is a drop in the bucket for Jesus compared to changing spiritual death to spiritual life from changing a sinner into a saint. There was a Pharisee named Nicodemus who sought Jesus out under the cover of darkness. He had very little expectations except to maybe have a conversation that would go on for a bit. Little did he know and expect that Jesus' life-giving words would penetrate his heart. And sure enough, it happened. And who was one of the two people who were bold enough to ask Pontius Pilate for Jesus' body to take it off the cross and bury it? Nicodemus! Where do you go to get Jesus' life-giving words? Where do you go when you're feeling 
like the naughty guy or the naughty girl inside is pulling you down a dark alley once again into that sin that you know is wrong. Where, where do you go? You go to Jesus. Where do you go when you're feeling all alone? Go to Jesus. Where do you go when your life is spinning out of control? Go to Jesus. Where do you go when the traumas and tra- tragedies of the past haunt you? Go to Jesus. Where do you go when you wonder if you could ever be forgiven? Go to Jesus. He will tell you. He will tell you again and again, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love, maintaining love for thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. We could, we could talk all day about the Olympics or the weather or about political wrangling. We could talk all day about masks or not or vaccinations. We could talk about people hanging on an airplane and falling off its wings trying to escape the Taliban. We could talk all day about COVID-based impact on the economy and the cost of goods and the rising cost of lumber and electrical wiring and appliances. All those things could make for interesting conversations, but none of those things have an impact on our eternal destiny. Why search for the answers to detachment and loneliness anywhere else? Why follow just anyone who comes along like the elderly woman who needed to cross a busy street and she sensed someone coming up from behind, a young man who said to her, may I cross over with you? Relieved and thankful, she grabbed his arm, stepped into the street, and then the cars honking their horns and veering out of the way and blasting and people yelling at them and finally they got across the street and the elderly woman was very upset and said to the young man, you almost got us killed. What, are you sight impaired? He said, yes, that's why I asked if I may cross over with you. (laughs) Why search for the answer to attachment with God from any Tom, Dick, and Mary that comes along? Go to Jesus. By his life-giving words, we stay attached to him and will be attached to him forever. The Gospel writer tells us that from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed. Jesus knew it would happen. He had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him, and Jesus' heart was aching. He turned to the twelve his chosen followers, and he asked, You do not want to leave too, do you? Simon Peter piped up and said what we want to say, to have an attachment to Jesus that lasts forever and solves and eases the pain of loneliness. Every night when you put your head on your pillow, every morning when you wake up, Join with the Apostle Peter and say with confidence, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to know and to believe that you, you are 
the Holy One of God. Amen. Thanks for listening. To learn more about God's grace or to support this ministry, please visit gracedowntown.org today. This grace is for you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace.